0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. My name is Annika, and uh, I'll be talking to you guys tonight. And to start out, we have a little, I made a little uh, stick figure handout for you. So, surprisingly enough, I actually spent a lot of time on these, so whatever that says... You guys can look through the whole thing right now. There you go. Okay, like I said, my name is Annika. And, uh, I'm gonna start tonight by telling you a little story. I went to college down in University of Puget Sound. And, uh, one of the things we loved to do down there was on our ski team, we weren't, we weren't the best, we weren't the worst, but we were always the best dressed. And we always had, uh, crazy costumes. 80s was our favorite genre, so we loved 80s sweatsuits. We loved 80s prom dresses. We love fanny packs. We pretty much fanny packs. Um, we loved it all. So I lived with some of my friends from ski team my senior year, and we had an epic costume box that we had accumulated over the last four years. Um, also down there, they have a ministry that's similar to this. So they have interns, they have people on staff. And my senior year, I was friends with some people, who were on staff, and I thought it was really cool that I was kind of friends with them. My core group leader was um, on staff, and so I had gotten invited on Facebook to this party, and it was a costume party. And it was one of these girls, it was her birthday, she was a graduate, and I was like really excited to go to this costume party because one thing I have a lot of is great costumes. So I was going to go to this costume party, I was going to look really cool, I was going to impress people. Um, So I was digging through the box, and we had a ton of 80s. And a ton of Western. And I was like, okay, 80s or Western. And I was like, why don't I just combine them? (laughs) So I had my jeans. I had my cowboy boots. I had my hot magenta 80s prom dress. I had this vest that was like, I don't know what kind of skin it was. But it was like this long and white. Maybe cow or goat or something. (laughs) I had my vest. had my cowboy hat. I'm ready for the party. So I'm walking up to the house. And I look, and I get right. It's like little steps up, and I look in the door, and it was not what I expected. There was three girls were like, "Oh my gosh!" and like ran over to the birthday girl, and we're like looking at her left hand, and we're like screaming. And I was like, "Not a costume party, <laughs> surprise engagement party." <laughs> I was the only one who wasn't close enough friends to get the memo that it was it was not the costume party. So here I am in my magenta dress, my vest, my hat, my boots, ready to party, and. Missed the memo. So, um, embarrassing moment for sure. Definitely took off the outfit and just rocked the boots and the jeans and the tank top. But it was okay. But um, that story was just one of many times where what I had expected did not play out as I thought. And that story, it, it led to embarrassment. It led to a great story to tell someday. But um, I think that this expectation, this idea of expectations and things not working out how we think happens to us every day. And I think when, we, when it happens with our faith, sometimes it's, the consequences are more than embarrassment. Lots of times there's a lot of pain and a lot of frustration and a lot of hurt and a lot of confusion. Because we expect something of God or we expect something to happen and it doesn't work out that way. One reason that I am excited to talk about this tonight is I'm someone who it's really, I'm really easily excited someone has an idea, if they're going on an adventure or anything, I can get so excited for it. But at the same time, that means that um, I'm someone who, if it doesn't work out, I get disappointed easily. And I think disappointment is one of the hardest things. It sucks. It totally sucks to be disappointed and to have these expectations for something to turn out or for a relationship or for just a day planned and have it not go that way. Um, So tonight we're going to look at what do we do with expectations of God that don't turn out. And I know that this is a topic that I don't have the answers to, but I have a few things that uh, that I've seen some patterns that I've seen in people's lives and in my life and in the life of Job, who we'll look at tonight and um, just ways that kind of he- people walk through this hard situation. Uh, the first thing I'm going to look at are there's two different huge questions that I think always come up when we're talking about expectations with God. And these are huge things that people have been debating and discussing for years, and really smart people have written tons of books on them, and no one knows the answers. And the first one is prayer. Prayer is this thing that is incredibly mysterious, and um, some people pray and they don't expect God to do anything. And some people pray and they expect God to answer their prayer right away. And whatever your view of prayer is, I'm sure you've encountered some sort of uh, failed expectation and some sort of time where a prayer... Didn't get answered that you thought might or you thought God wasn't listening and then he answered your prayer or something like that happened Um, The second one is this idea of why do good things happen to Why do bad things happen to good people or why do good things happen to bad people? Or this kind of this idea of suffering or why is there suffering? Why is there pain in the world? Why if God is good does this stuff happen? Why are innocent people murdered like all these huge questions that that lead us to the question of why and, um, and I think in this question of why, when we're like, why God, why is this happening? Why didn't you answer my prayer? Why is this like this? I think within that question of why there's, there's always some sort of expectation that was failed to be met. If you look back, if you trace back, okay, if you turn on the faucet and water comes out, you don't ask why, but if you turn on the faucet and no water comes out, you're like, huh, why? Why is there no water? Cause you're expecting water. And I think the same thing is when we ask these questions of why, there's some sort of expectation that hasn't been met. And with, so you can look at your little chart if you're following along. Um, So you have bad things happen to good people, unanswered prayer, or some sort of event that leads you to this why. And this failed expectation. And I think with that, lots of times there's these emotions that come with that. There's pain, there's hurt, there's disappointment, there's anger, there's blame. Uh or as much as I've experienced. And and this is hard. And I think what happens, you can move down here. What happens in our society is we kinda have this huge baggage right there, and we outwardly pretend like everything is good. And I think sometimes even in the Christian culture, it's like, well, if you're a Christian, then you're supposed to smile and you love Jesus and Jesus loves you and it's awesome and everything's great and God is good. And so outside, we're we're smiling, even though we have this huge load that we're carrying. And lots of times people, even if they ask you about it, you're like, oh, I'm fine. That's totally fine. Don't worry about that. I'm great. But inside, we're drowning. We have all these questions. We have all these things we don't understand. We have all these whys. And sometimes it can be a really lonely and frustrating place because you don't feel like you can ask questions, or you don't know where to ask them, or you don't know what to do with that. And I think the first, uh, and what we're going to do tonight is look at the book of Job and Job. Lots of times people think the Bible is not relatable and especially the old Testament. But tonight we're going to look at this man, Job from the old Testament and, and see how he kind of dealt with these failed expectations. So pray with me. Dear God, uh, thank you for tonight. Thank you for another chance to meet together. Um, Lord, thank you for the Bible and stories and, um, God, I pray that as we talk about something that is way too big for me to talk about, Lord, that you will show up. God, that you will help um, each of us to hear what you you want them to hear. Lord, that we may learn something from from Job and from your Word and more about you tonight. In Jesus name, Amen. So Job was this man, and he he had a ton of money. He had a lot of property. He had a lot of animals. He had a healthy family. He was wealthy, and he was also extremely faithful. He was a man of God. He was a stud. Even God says, this is a quote from God. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. If God said that about you. You'd have to be a stud. So Job is a good person and, um, he falls victim to just the, the chaos of a broken world. And he, um, one day he's sitting there and one of his servants runs in and, And they say that all of their oxen and donkeys have just been, what's it called? Stolen. Or like beasts have come in, stolen all them, and taken them away. And for these people, all of their livestock and their crops, that's their livelihood. That's their wealth. That's their inheritance. That's their investments. So that's a huge deal. And as that guy's finishing, his one servant's finishing, another servant runs in and he's like, Oh my gosh, this huge fire broke out. All your sheep are burned. All the servants are dead. I'm the only one who escaped. And as he's leaving, another guy comes in and he's like, you wouldn't believe it, but the people came, they took all your donkeys, and they ran away. And they put this servant, yeah, they like held the servants up to knife, knife point. And then the fourth, as that guy's leaving, the fourth servant comes and says, hey, I was just at your son's house, he was having a celebration with all your kids, the house fell, they're all dead. So within a matter of, I don't know how long that took, but he, he lost all of his animals, he lost his entire family, his entire inheritance, all of his wealth, gone. And so Job is definitely a victim to this question of why. Like, what the heck is going on? And how Job responds is he is, um, he tears his clothes and he rips his beard and he's mourning, but he says, naked I came into this earth, naked I will leave. And he maintains his faithfulness. And But then a few days later, uh, he wakes up and he has these horrible boils, which are like these big pussy blisters all over his body. And he's in extreme pain, and and it's kind of like the last straw for him. And you see him kind of shut down. And maybe some of you guys have experienced that, where you've had one hard thing happen, and you've rallied. Two hard things happen, you rally. Three hard things happen, you rally. But eventually you get worn down to the point where it just gets hard. So here's Job. He's a mess. Uh, some of his friends travel across the country to see him, and it said that three of his friends came, and when they saw him, he was in such a bad state that they didn't say anything. They just sat with him for an entire week because they were just, they didn't know what to say. He was just in that state. <clears throat> uh, and so what, and so Job, he, he's in this first picture. He's, he begins to ask these questions, why? And can begin to be like, why does it happen to me? Why me? I'm blameless. You know, kind of complaining about all these things, throwing up all these questions. And he's stuck there for about 30 something chapters in the book of Job. And then, he eventually, he takes his huge chain full of all this stuff, and he brings it to God. You can throw up the next picture. We're on to picture two. So, he brings his whole, all this stuff to God, and they start to talk. And they start to have this discussion. And there's two parts of the discussion. He's listening, and he's talking. And his talking is his prayers. And basically, what what that is, is just telling the truth. And I think that this is a good... a good next step or something we have to do beyond to get unstuck from these hard places is just tell the truth. This is hard. This is confusing. This is scary. And listening to God. And I just put a few ways you can listen through silence, through scripture, through the world around you or people or worship music. Um, but this is a huge piece of his story and how he continues to move forward. The But you see him. He's still kind of, even in this dialogue, he's still kind of stuck in this spot. And it's rightfully so. He has had a really, really hard situation. Uh but something happens when later on in the chapter, towards the end, when um and that is moves to the next picture. And that's where he begins to uh remember and to stand on what he knows. And I think lots of times we This is what happens in my life where I get so confused by these questions where something doesn't make sense And i'm just like, I don't know anything anymore You know, there's times at this job where i'm like, how could this happen? Or how could this do I even believe in god? And everything just kind of goes out the window instead of being like, okay This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. But what do I know? And sometimes that's okay. I know when I was 16 Praying in my bedroom. I felt something I know that I've seen my dad live his entire life and something about him is different and he says he loves the Lord. I know I've heard of a handful of people whose lives are totally changed because of God. I know that God loves me. And whatever it is for you, you begin to write these things and begin to create something that you can stand on and look at these questions that you have. And I remember when we grew up, uh, my grandparents have a house and it's out on Lake Smamish, and there was this buoy that was like way out there. We'd always, my family's not good swimmers, but we'd always attempt to swim to this buoy and we get there, it was just like, <gasps> like you just grab the buoy and you just hang on to it. Like, even though it's got slime and barnacles and not barnacles, but just gross things all around it. But you just hang on to this buoy for dear life because you're just worn out. And sometimes that's the image that I have when you're just like, you're worn out from all these questions and all these things you don't understand and all these whys. And it's just like finding the one thing, the two things, the 20 things 50 things that you can just hang on to and stand there and rest for a second and you see that this um and when you get there you might not have all the answers but there's a pastor who said you know when you're reading your bible use a pencil and every time you come across something you don't understand put a little question mark there and so i learned he said that freshman year of college and and as you reread your bible sometimes you're like oh i get it you can erase your little question mark and sometimes you're like still have no idea and that is um and i think that that's something that happens when we begin to build this structure of these things that we remember about who god is we can begin to look at these question marks and over the years maybe some will make sense and maybe some will be question marks forever we'll go up to heaven and be like okay what about this like this makes no sense to me i've been living for a long time still don't got it um and one thing about the Bible is it says 167 times to there's the command remember. And I think that God knew that that sometimes we get so trapped in all these questions. There's a ton of things we can't understand, but remembering can give us something to, to stand on. Um, another, this is kind of a side note, but I think a lot of people ask, like, how do I share my faith? Like, I get all these questions. I don't know how to answer them. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know why evil exists. I don't know this. I don't know this. And they kind of shut down. And I think my encouragement to them would be like, that's right. You don't know those questions. But what you do know is that even though you don't know those answers, you're still here. You still showed up tonight. You still are choosing to figure out who Jesus is. And that's something. So instead of getting thrown off by all these things you don't know to be like, okay, what do I know? And then just standing there. And this is something we see Job do. He says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand and things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And a couple things about this, it's kind of confusing, but the first thing that sticks out to me is I know that you can do all things. And if you're reading the book of job, you see kind of a shift when he starts talking about this I know I know you can do all things god. That's something to stand on. That's something to ground him that he says When he goes on to kind of quote what god said shows me that he's listened Uh, That I know that he's talked 30 chapters him rambling, but he's also listened And that's that's something huge as well um so what happens to Job is he goes on after this, and a lot of his um, his wealth is restored. He has new kids, and that doesn't mean that it's all good and it doesn't matter that all these horrible things happen to him. But it shows some of the character of God that even though this horrible thing happened, that God's still at work in his life. Um, so the, next, the last square is talking about, okay, what are three things I can't expect? And the first one, and these are three things that I would put my life on. So the first one is that life is going to be messy. I think there's a lot of, some different churches or some people think, once you're a Christian, it's all wonderful. There's no suffering. No bad things will happen. Life is messy. People have sin in their life. There's brokenness. There's hurt. The second one is that God is with us, with me, with you. Um, Hebrews 13:5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the third one is that God is the great recycler. And what that means is he is someone who takes this stuff in our life, this junk, these hard things, these horrible things, and he He uses them to bring life, to bring glory, to bring blessing. And it doesn't mean that that's why that thing happened. You think of, I was thinking of um, the runner without the legs, Pretorius. Is that his name? And, you know, when you're watching that story, maybe, I mean, I got emotional and I was almost tearing up, but I don't, and I don't think, God made him have no legs so that I would get emotional and get something from that. But at the same time, God's using that story, that horrible thing, that hard thing, that question of why, God, to bless people, to bring life, to bring inspiration. And that's some of how I've seen God work. Uh, and Job, even in his story, you can see that, I mean, we're sitting here, I got something from his life. And it wasn't that you know, the Lord took away or the Lord allowed or Satan came in and took, you know, whatever you want to say, whatever happened to Job, that didn't happen so that I could stand up here and talk about Job. It happened so that I don't know why it happened, but that's a way that God has worked in that. And one. Um, yeah, so here is a couple things that we can do. And the first one is pursue. And I remember there, when I was working in Tennessee, there was uh, a tw- one girl, and she was a twin, and she asked me, okay, how do you know what the will of God is? How do you know what God wants, what God's like, what to expect? And I was asking her, I was like, okay, have you ever been in a situation where you were like, oh, my gosh, if Brooklyn was here, she would totally laugh at this joke, or she would say something like that, or she would hate this. That was her twin sister. Or like, you guys have probably had friends where you were like, oh, my gosh, you should have been there. You would have loved this, Kelsey. And stuff like that. Have you guys all experienced that? Where you just can picture one of your friends and what they would say. And that's because you know them. Because you spent time with them. Because you've listened to them and talked to them and shared with them and lived life with them. And I, I don't think we can figure out God completely. But I think the more we do spend time with them, the more it's like you can kind of anticipate or be like, Oh, you would think that was so funny. Or, Oh my gosh, you totally healed that person. Or I don't know what you'd say. But you would you just know him more of who he is and the other three we've talked about just talking just telling the truth just listening and also just looking for the ways that god has recycled Uh, so what i want you to do right now is under the little mountain little rock write, god is with me and write god recycles and also write maybe one or two just take one minute Maybe one or two other things that you can stand on, things that you, you know to be true, things you've experienced, things you know. Um, before we end, I want to tell you two quick stories. The first one is just ways that I've kind of experienced the cycle. A lot of you know, some of you might not know, but I did not plan my life to end up right here, but through different events, I was backpacking, leading backpacking trips, um, up in Canada for young life camp. So it was, I was working for the Lord, I thought, and broke my leg. And I remember, It was something where I was like, why, God, how could you do this? I was supposed to be serving you. I was supposed to be changing the world for you and bringing people to know Jesus. And how could you let this happen? And why, why, why? And just this huge, just so stuck in that place. Back on my couch, most of my favorite things to do are outside and active and just super frustrated and angry. And, you know, kind of had that huge baggage. And I remember actually reading Job and being like, I totally understand. Like, this is, I totally get you, like, this sucks. You know, and I have my stupid broken leg. Like, But, anyways, I do remember reading Job. But I also remember when it became that switch. When when I began to actually dialogue with the Lord was the first step of being like, this is hard, like, this hurts, this sucks, like, I don't get it. And I also remember when um, I began to make a list of all the little ways that that God was bringing life from me. Because that was something that I knew that I could stand on. I was like, I have no idea why this happened, but I know that God will either use this, that he, if this is part of his plan, or he'll use this in his plan for my life. And I remember, um, this is kind of a random story, but my sister now has a one-and-a-half-year-old. But when I was home, it was Father's Day, which I would have been in the mountains for. Um, but my sister was like, oh, Dad, we have one more present for you. And so he pulls out these little baby bibs, and it was like just the classic, like my dad just slowed a process, just holding them up. Big eyes, just, like, no words. And my mom, like, oh, my gosh, honey, honey, honey. And, like, sprinted over and started petting her and screaming. And my dad's just, like, sitting there with the bibs. And it was just this, like, random moment of my family that was just hilarious to me and something that I will never forget. And that wasn't why the Lord broke my leg so I could experience that moment. But it was just one of the little things that I began to put on my list. And other little things, like, I got to have a cool conversation with my dad. Or I got to, and now I've preached like six sermons using this. So there's just little things that you can use that I just knew, okay, one thing I can stand on is I know God's going to use this for something. Whether it's his plan or it's not. And that gave me a different attitude to be able to, didn't make it suck any less to sit on the couch for four months. Didn't make it suck any less to have surgery again the next year. Didn't make it suck any less to, you know, still have probably ankle problems for the rest of my life. But it was something that gave me joy in life to see how the Lord could take a crappy situation and bring some good out of it. Um, the last story is about a friend named Jason, and he was in college, got into a relationship with a girl. They both Christians, love the Lord, um, were trying to follow Him, and they had a pretty good relationship. They had a lot of fun, and they ended up in a relationship. They lost their virginity to each other. Relationship kept going. Relationship finally ended and it was just one of these one of those breakups that's just mutual but not mutual and just sucks One of those ones where you're just like, why does this hurt so bad? Like why does this suck so bad? And one of those ones where jason was just like frustrated and angry and hurt and confused and stuck in this place of just And also just not really knowing who to talk to about this like I should be over this I should be this I should be this just kind of stuck in this place with this relationship and <clears throat> and then eventually he began to dialogue with the Lord about, okay, this is hard, like, I'm in pain, like, please take this away. Can you move this girl, like, to another country or something? Like, shh, get her out of here. And, and it turned out that Jason and this girl, they were in the same major, so they'd always have these random group projects, always in the same group. Always. The next two years, the same group. And he was just like, are you serious, God? Like, this is not funny. But it was one of those things where it was just like, in this conversation and frustrated, but, but it began to, to stand on the same, similar thing that I had, which was, okay, God, I know you can use things. So show me, use this and began to be in conversation with his friends, being conversations with girls and with guys and with, um, and began to see the ways that the Lord was using that crappy situation that, um, that hurt, that brokenness to help people and to help his friends and to build relationships and to, um, and, and lots of things that Jason would say would help him be a better man later and a better husband someday and understanding women and relationships and what he wants and what's important and the value in these things. But it was that shift of being like, okay, Lord, this sucks. And he'd still tell you. I mean, he didn't get his virginity back. He didn't get an unbroken heart back. He, didn't, he can't remove all those experiences and that suck. But he also now begins to build his list and be like, all right, Lord, we got like 80 years for you to keep using this and using this and using this and using this. Maybe by the time I'm 90, it'll be close to worth it. Maybe not. But I think that that's one of my favorite things about the Lord is that he's someone who will just use these hard things. I don't know why they happen. They happen. Maybe God, maybe Satan, maybe sin, maybe bad luck. I don't know. They happen, but God will always, always recycle them if we let him. Please pray with me. Dear God, um, I pray for just new eyes for me to see uh, hard things that you are recycling. And Lord, I pray for people in this room, Lord, that we um, can find a community between each other, that we can talk about these things, that we don't have to, we can be friends like Job had that would just sit with each other and mourn with each other, but also friends that would um, engage in the Lord. God, I pray for just strong things that we can stand on in the midst of these craziness and questions. And Lord, that we can continue to build that foundation as we move forward into life because things won't get any tidier, Lord. They may just get messier. God, I pray that you'll just be with us, that you will help us to know how to pursue you, that you will just um, yeah, give us vision. And thank you, Lord, that you are a redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen.